Good morning, church family. My name is Milt Lau, and this is my wife, Ella. She serves on the ministry council, and we are a mentor couple in the Honeymooners for Life Sunday School class. Let us stand for the reading of God's word. We begin with Genesis 1, 24 through 27 and 31. God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. Then we read in Micah 6, verses 6 to 8. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mankind, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. I'm so glad to be back home this Sunday. Some of you know last week I was away I was preaching at a church that I used to serve in Racine, Wisconsin. Uh, it was having its 100th anniversary, and they invited me to come back to be the speaker. It was such, such an honor. So many of the people there, I mean, I just felt loved on so much. And, and some of them have lived a long time. I mean, they're mostly Scandinavians, well over 100 years, some of them. And uh, I, think, I think the cold in Wisconsin freezes the germs away. And so... Uh, Anyway, I'm just glad to be back here. I'm so thankful to Pastor Perry for speaking about the fruit of the Spirit being kindness. As Chris, if you know, don't know Perry, my wife Chris said when I told her he was speaking, she said, Perry's a kind man. That's a good topic for him. Well, today we come to uh, the fruit of the Spirit being goodness. Goodness. 
What is that about? So I, I picked out a, a, some fruit here for you to look at. I think we usually think about good versus rotten fruit. I mean, which one would you rather chomp into here? So, so we have to think about things being the way they're supposed to be. And actually this notion of, of goodness is very, very profound in the Bible. So I want us to chew on it for just a moment. Because the Apostle Paul wrote that Galatians text where the fruit of the Spirit is goodness. He was trained as a Jewish rabbi. And the Jewish rabbis were all agreed about this, that there is no one in this world perfectly good except God alone. They all agreed about that. And Jesus agreed with that. I think you probably, if you've been to church very often, know the story about when a rich young ruler came to Jesus and he encountered Jesus and he said, good master. And Jesus stopped him. He said, why are you calling me good? Don't you know, Jesus said, don't you know that there is no one in this world good except God alone? I think he was trying to find out what this young man thought about who he was in his relationship to God. But when you think about that, that there is no one good except God alone, and then you see that the Bible is saying that the fruit of God's spirit in your life is to make you good, you have to ask, is that even possible? So today we're going to think about this. Um, I, I believe if I can communicate this well, and if you'll listen carefully, th- this whole matter is going to give you great hope. It, it, it brings us into the very heart of the good news of the entire Bible. It tells us that when you and I look inside of ourselves and see things that aren't good, and almost give up and say, will it ever be good? God says it will be. So, so it, it should offer you great hope of a, of a beautiful future. And the other thing it does is that it gives us a way to live, a, a whole way to live. So here's what we're going to do. There were two great texts in the Old Testament, uh, the ones that Milt and Ella read to us, that formed the understanding that Jesus had of goodness. So we're going to look at them, and we're going to think about three different things. Number one, what I'm calling uh, being good. We're going to look at Genesis 1, the creation account. And, and then I'm going to uh, look at doing or living good, English teachers, I'm sorry, uh, living good. Um, And we're going to look there at the great text in Micah, chapter 6. And then I'm going to stop for a moment and just pastorally reflect on how we might actually become good. uh, And think about what I want you to take home from the sermon. So so there we have it. Being good, uh, uh, living good, and becoming good. So let's reflect on being good to start with. It takes us back to Genesis chapter 1, the very last verse in Genesis 1. Everything that God had made was very good. So if, if you're going to understand what Jesus was talking about when he told that rich young ruler, there is no one good except God, then you have to understand what happened in Genesis chapters 1 through 3. In, in Genesis chapter 1, the creation account, this word good occurs seven times. Seven times. And if you know anything about the Jewish people, the, word, the number seven was for perfection and completion. So as you read through the story, and I, include, I encourage you to do so, on day one, the light was made, it was good. Day two, the skies and seas, God made them, and they were good, he said. He made the stars on day three and declared, those are good. On day four, he made the vegetation and the plants. And he said, and that's good too. And then on day five, both the day and the night were beginning to function. And that whole rhythm that we can have in day and night, God looked at that and said, and that's good. 
And then on day six, he made the birds and the fish and the animals. He looked and he said, that's good too. And on day six at the end, for the seventh time, he, he makes human beings in his image. And he declares that that is good. It's perfectly good. So that when you get to that verse 31, you almost have to picture God pulling back and looking at all that he had made. So I started to think about the Maple Street building just a moment. And I show you a few pictures here. So when, when you go into it at a certain point in the midst of it, you look at that and say, well, is that ever going to be completed? Is that ever going to be anything that's any good? Sometimes I wondered, didn't you? Uh, and then, uh, just before we opened it up, I went back into it, and that's what I saw. And so you, you stand back and you say, oh, that's good. Imagine that that's exactly what God did after he had created everything. The triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, looking at all that has been made. And just saying, this is very good. So here we gather in church, centuries and centuries later. And, and when you and I look around at the world that, that we live in, do you see or say that everything is perfectly good? I mean, when you look at, at the rivers and, and the pollution that's come into them or breathe the air, do you say everything that God has created seems to be very good? When, when you pull out the newspapers, uh, Pasadena Star News or the L.A. Times, and you read the stories about what's happening in our neighborhoods... Or read about the world, what's happening in places like in the Middle East. Do you read that and say it's all perfect and good? So, so what's gone wrong? From, from Genesis 131 to, to right now, 2015, what's gone wrong? Uh, Genesis 3 is what went wrong. Uh, people walked away from God, disobeyed God, and it, it, it messed everything up. It, it broke our relationship to God. So that we're supposed to know God and walk side by side with him. Genesis 2. It, it harmed human relationships. Hostility set in. You see it early on. Adam and Eve start blaming one another. And it, it, it destroyed our relationship with everything that was created. Genesis 1. You know the first command that we've had as human beings. We're supposed to rule over and care for this good world. We're supposed to maintain the goodness of this world. But we've acted selfishly and, and misused God's world. Not cared for it. So that the pollution has, sat in, has set in. The ecological devastation has set in. And we look at it now and we say there are many things that aren't very good. Now, now you've got to stop for a moment. When you think about it. Uh, Everything you and I make and do reflects something about us. Uh, those of you who might be new to Lake Avenue Church, I, I'm sure you, you can know a lot about how I am and how I think, even by the way that I put together a sermon and the way I speak. The, what we do reflects so much of what we are. And so what God has made should reflect everything that God has made. And yet, as we look at it, we see evil in this world. We see devastation in this world. At the end of Genesis 3, there was no one good except God alone. See, that's what Jesus was getting at. And we even look at this world that is supposed to declare his glory. The firmament's supposed to show the work of his hands. And we see things that don't look at all like the goodness of God. So how do we understand it? God declares in his word... Listen to me. I am in a renovation project. 
just like we were over at Maple Street. This work of art, because that's what he calls what he's doing in some places in the Bible. This work of art that I'm doing is not yet complete. Someday, when I'm finished, all that I have made will reflect all that I am. It will be perfect and good again. Even those in whom my spirit dwells will be good. Because the fruit of my spirit in your life is goodness. See, that, that's what this is about. That's what this is about. Um, someday we'll have no more effects of global warming, no more pollution, no more disease, no more trafficking, no more poverty, no more imprisonment, no more war, no more death. And praise God, you and I will not only have our sins forgiven in the past, we'll be set free from sinning. Can you believe it? All right, that's, that's what this text is about today. The fruit of God's Spirit when He has finished His work in your life. Is this good news for you? Amen. Is that you will be good. That's the first thing I want to reflect on, being good. It is our great, great hope. Now, let's think second about uh, living good. And that takes us to Micah 6. If you have a Bible, turn over there. And, and this phrase that you've probably known, God has shown you. Oh, mankind, what is good? God has shown you. In other words, um, goodness is always shown by the way that we act. God's goodness can be seen in the way he has dealt with the world and dealt with people. Micah 6, 8. Jesus had talked about this. I have a picture here to show you, too. He said, a bad tree will actually show itself by producing either no fruit or bad fruit. But, but using this idea of fruit, a good tree, once the good spirit of God works in us, will ultimately produce good actions. But, but what do they look like? One of the greatest discussions in the entire Bible, and a text that I would ask you to mark off and, and, and read, is Micah chapter 6. It was written 700 years before Jesus and Paul, and really was the foundation of what they were talking about when they talked about goodness. It, it shaped their way of thinking about it. And God says, it's not only that I am good, but I have shown you by what I do what is good. Now, now, now to get this story, he was writing there to a group of people who were leaders in their country, in Judah, and they had not lived good lives. It was self-centered, nothing that cared about anybody else. And God, in the first five or six verses, says, no, 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 that's not the way I have treated you. I've treated you in a different way. I've been good to you. And, and in some arrogance, they say, well, what are we supposed to do in response to what the goodness of God to us? What does he expect of us? What, what would you say? Does God expect us, oh, because he's been good, I have to show up at church every week and listen to the boring stuff that happens? Is that what he wants? Okay, I guess I'll do that. That's what they say. Uh, they go on, it escalates. That, does what God wants is, well, all religious people want money. So God just wants everything. What, will he be satisfied with my best animals, with thousands of them? What, what, what does God want? And then sort of buying into the religions of, of the ancient world. What, is that, what does this God want who's supposedly been good to us? Does he want me to offer uh, my firstborn to him? Is that what he expects of me? I, it feels arrogant to me when I read it. Do, do you think so? Um, how do we respond to that? God has been good to us. He has been, hasn't he? He sent his one and only son. He gives his spirit to us. How do we respond? 
in, in this beautiful way. This, he tells us there are three ways. He has shown you what is good. And, and what does he require of us? Okay, here's what he requires. Here's what goodness looks like when we live it out. It is good to act justly. What is good, Micah says, it is the ESV, to do justice. Now that, that word is used in so many ways in our world. Let's get to the biblical meaning of it. It just means when things at last are right. It's the way things were in Genesis 1.31. Everything is synced with God's character and God's way. So on one side, this matter of justice is very personal. Because don't you and I look inside of our lives and so many times see things that aren't right? Do you do that? I mean, even now, as, as Walter was leading us in times of confession, could you see some things that, that, that weren't right? Well, what justice means is that God takes those things that aren't right, that are, that are bent and makes them straight again, that are wrong and makes them right again. Hallelujah! But that's what he does for us. That's what the cross is all about. So in one, one sense, this matter of acting justly is seen in what God does. He says, I'll cleanse you of your sin and make you right again. But in the Bible, it's not just him doing that to us. But even as he's doing his work in us, this is a great... He sends us out so that our lives can make a difference in this world. When we see all sorts of things that aren't right in this world, he sends us out as his agents of goodness and justice. To, to, to bring about his goodness into this, this hurting world. So, so what does that mean? It means that we will use, if, if we live lives of goodness, that we'll use whatever opportunities and whatever resources God gives us uh, to, to speak into these matters in people's lives and in our world that are wrong, to bring about what is right and what is good. It means... That when we see God's world that was once so beautiful being destroyed, we won't cast a blind eye to it. Creation care is a very biblical thing. I don't know where it started that this matter of caring about the created order has become a political matter. It has, you know. I'm almost afraid to talk about it sometimes because people are always turning into a politician. No, no, no. It is a biblical matter. We, we see the devastation that, that selfishness and sin has brought into all that God has made. And where we have the opportunity to bring about beauty again, that's what Christians do. If anybody cares about what's been created, it should be those of us who know the Creator as our Heavenly Father. Can I one amen? I, I thought he, I need that because we need to be more engaged in this than we have been. It's a part of acting for what is good and what is just. But it also means, as missionary Randy Nelson helped me to understand, is seeing the devastation that sin has brought into people's lives. And caring. When we see children homeless and in the streets, that's not good. That's not right. Uh, when we see people going through de de depression and, and, and discouragement and they feel alone. No, no, no. Somebody's got to care and somebody's got to come alongside. Whenever we see any evil in this world, we don't, we don't just ignore it, but we, we, we call it people away from what is wrong and we offer them forgiveness and a new life. Bottom line, acting justly is doing whatever God enables you to do, whatever he gives you resources to do, to bring about his goodness into this fallen world. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, that's our calling.
That's what the Spirit of God, the fruit of the Spirit of God, sinks into our lives. We look at what God has done and He says, By the way, I've dealt with you in forgiving and beginning to make things right. You go out and act justly. What else is it? It is good, and I'm going to use my, my translation of this, to love reconciled and lasting relationships. So what is good, Micah says? It is to love, and so I'm going to use the Hebrew word, hesed. You want to try to say that just so you can kind of get involved in the sermon a little bit here? Hesed. Hesed. You can get that good guttural sound. This is one of the most beautiful words in the entire Old Testament. Um, Sometimes it's translated in our versions, mercy. It's good to love mercy. Sometimes it's it's translated kindness. Uh, The word usually is translated in the Bible, love. It's a word of lasting relationship of, of, of love, a motivated, uh, lasting, sometimes restored and reconciled uh, relationship. It's a word used for God making a covenant with his people. That even if you fail, but you turn back to me, I will receive you again because I love, I love this this lasting, restored relationship. It's what God does with us now. He gives His Spirit who dwells in our hearts richly. He doesn't give up on us easily. God loves reconciled relationships. And when the Spirit of God is at work in your heart, you're going to begin to know it because you're going to love uh, forgiving people, showing mercy to people, getting back into relationship with people, healing those relationships and and, and the phrase loves hesed is the strongest word in the Hebrew language for something that you long for to happen if God's spirit is at work in our hearts we're going to have such a deep longing that a broken relationship even if another person has wronged can somehow find forgiveness and, and reconciliation But I I like the translations, love, mercy. And and do you know why? Because in this fallen world, the only way to have lasting relationships is that we've got to show mercy. The the only way to have lasting relationships is we've got to be willing to forgive because every one of us has fallen short. Remember, not a one of us yet is perfect except God alone. Someday we're going to be, but we're not yet. So how are we going to have any lasting relationships if we're not ready and longing to forgive? And, and can't you just see it? If we're a church where all of us are letting God's Spirit work within us and all of us are loving to forgive and to show mercy, do you see how the thing that we talk about for us as a church can happen then? Where those things that usually divide people of age or uh, skin color, or amount of money that you have, or whatever it is that divides people, if all of us come to church just longing for loving, reconciliation, and restored relationship, what a beautiful place this will continue to become. So, so what does this life of, of goodness look like when the, when the uh, Spirit of God sinks our lives? We're going to live good lives, which means one, We're going to act justly. We won't ignore sin and evil in the world. But we'll call people away from it. And we'll always offer forgiveness. And number two, we're going to love reconciled relationships. Because that's what God loves. And the fruit of God's spirit is that kind of goodness.
Now, there's a third phrase, and I think it's really the key to the other two. And that it is good, Micah says, to live humbly, conscious of God's presence. Or it's much easier the way Micah put it. What is good is to walk, live a life humbly with God. Do you think that's a beautiful phrase? As beautiful as the other two, the act justly and love mercy? Uh, I'll tell you what this is talking about. It's taking us back again to the beginning. And in Genesis 2, um, Adam and Eve walked and talked with God. It's the way we're supposed to be. Uh, most people believe in God but don't really know God. And yet the opportunity actually to know God and to know he's here is what is being restored here. And, and for those of you who are new to church or maybe you're not yet Christians, I know, I know this might sound a little strange to you. But I'll tell you, it's one of the, most, the best parts of being a Christian. It's one of the best parts. And here it is. Um, we, we know we've fallen short, every one of us. And so we come and we, we, we meet Jesus. And we give him our sins. Will you forgive my past? And he says, yes, I'll cleanse you and throw those things as far as the east is from the west. Hallelujah. But he doesn't just leave us there because we'd, go, we'd continue on the same way we always have been, right? He gives his spirit to us. Again, I know that for people who haven't been in a church long, that might sound unusual, but that is, it's very real. It's what Jesus promised. I'm going to die for unholy people so the Holy Spirit can come in and be with you. So that you are never alone. So that the things you could never do in your own strength now can be done because the power of God's Holy Spirit dwells within you. So that when you live, you live with the conscious awareness that God is right there, not just beside you, but dwelling in you. Because I am going to tell you, one of the things that keeps us from a, a life of goodness is that most of us tend to compare ourselves with other people. Don't we? So you can even come into church and you can say, oh man, I, I, fell, I, I fell short again this week. But our natural tendency is to sort of look across and say, but that bunch over there, they look worse than I am. Why do I always make your side the bad guys in the, in the sermon? But, but you, isn't that the way we are? But you see, the, the fact is, once we know that God's spirit is there, our comparison is not to other people, but to God. And then we have nothing to be proud about. We are recipients of mercy. And when we are recipients of mercy, it changes the way we view everyone. You know how we see everyone? We, we look at everyone, friend stranger and even enemy when we see them inside we think you are fearfully and wonderfully made whatever has been in your life in Christ there is hope for you in Christ there is a future for you and then we live in the light of that what is good, living good, is to act for justice, to love restoring relationships, and always to walk humbly in the presence of God. Now, I know I'd be preaching away about this at this point, and I, I had to stop for a while in, in preparing my sermon, and I thought, is there a time in my own walk with God that I can specifically remember when God took me from uh, having a rather perhaps arrogant view of a person 
where I, I couldn't see the goodness of God in that person or potential in that person and, and began melting my heart and, and, and changing me the way that Paul says the Spirit of God should do that. And, and there was a, a number of times came to my mind, but one in particular that I want to share with you. It happened when I was uh, first um, a senior pastor in another church in California up, up the coast. Um, it was a January, and though it was in California, it was a really cold day. And so I, I went into our church parking lot, and then as I was there getting out of my car, uh, a truck came pulling in. And it, any of you remember the old Beverly Hillbillies uh, show where the clamp had that truck? That, that's what they drove in with. They came to, and it was hardly running at all. It made more sound. It, was, it came and kind of sputtered and stopped there, and the father got out of the truck and came up to talk to me. And I'll tell you, the moment he opened his mouth, I knew where that man was from. He was from my home area. I, 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 those of you who don't know, you've got a hillbilly pastor up here. I, I cover it up as well as I can. Sometimes I don't do very well. So I told him, tell me your family situation. And as he began unfolding his story for me, I knew it was all a lie. I figured he had told this story a dozen times. I knew he was going on. I'm, I'm a church leader back in Bland, Virginia, and that 20 miles from my home. So that part was true. And he said, uh, I was over here and somebody stole all of my money and now I'm trying to get my family home. And if you can just give me enough money to somehow help me to get my family home, uh, I'll have our church send you back the money that you spent. Oh, I knew. I mean, more of the story than that. But I knew it was a lie. So sort of thought, I know the people in Bland, Virginia. I'm not going to let this guy manipulate me with a lie. So I turned to him and said, you know, I know most of the pastors back there. I'm going to get on the phone now and, and give a call and verify your story. At that point, I could see on his face that he knew he'd been caught. But even as he knew he'd been caught, God was doing something in my own heart. As I looked in and I saw his kids... As I looked into this man's eyes, I thought, oh man, there, there's more here than he has the confidence he can even tell. And I said, I know that what you've told me is a lie. Do you trust me enough to tell me the truth? And so he told me a story that we did find out was the truth. It's one that had the ring of truth to me. It was a survival story. Uh, a story of a man who couldn't find any work. He'd been in construction I couldn't find any work back home, thought I have to have enough food to feed my family. And I, he'd heard that there's work out here in California. So he got in the truck and drove all the way out to California, but couldn't find any work here and had been just surviving by telling this story and getting people to give him enough money to survive. And at the end of the time, I just looked at him and I said, um, what is it that you most want right now? And he said, it's cold. I just want to get my kids out of the cold. Well, I wanted to get his kids out of the cold. So what I did was I called up uh, our head deacon. We had a wonderful group of deacons. We're forming that here at Lake 2, our, our care deacons group. And he came. He was a construction worker himself. And he came and he brought in another deacon. They sat down and started meeting with his family. Now, it doesn't always work out this way. I'm going to tell you that. It doesn't always work out this way. But in this time, it was a wonderful thing. They were able to find a place for the family to live, able to find some work for the father to engage in, and able to have provide Goodness. 
some goodness, some of God's goodness for their lives. Uh, Brothers and sisters, I've thought to a greater or lesser extent every day of our lives there are people that God brings across our paths where things just aren't good, they aren't right. Sometimes people cover them up. God sends us as his ambassadors with his spirit inside of us producing the fruit of goodness in our lives. Where are they ever going to see it? Don't you think that, that you and I have opportunities almost every day to reflect with what God has given us some of his goodness into the lives of other people? See, that's, that's what this is about. When the Bible says, I will give you my spirit. And the fruit of the spirit is goodness. I've been praying so much that that fruit would grow more and more within me. And I've been praying it would grow more and more within you as well. So I'm going to end. Oh, I, I, go, I get going on these things. Um, I'm going to end by just giving you some pastoral counsel and advice. Because this matter of producing goodness is something we can't do in our own strength. The works of the flesh won't get us there. It's got to be a work of God's spirit from within. But when I read my Bible, I see that there are some pieces of counsel that the Bible gives us for how we can open up our lives to the working of God's spirit in us. So I'm going to give you four words to close. Uh, I wish they spelled something. Um, Focus, admit, watch, and act. Uh, Fawa. (laughs) Here's what I want you to do. Focus. I want you intentionally to become more attentive to what God says about himself, to recognizing God's goodness as he reveals it in his word. Uh, I I think this has to start right here in our worship service. Um, What we must do when we gather this part of the service is we must open up this word and see what God says about himself and about what is good. Um, The way I think about it is this. If there is no one yet fully good except God alone, then then we're going to have to, to listen to God and look at what God has to say or we're not going to know what's good. So we need to take time to come in the midst of the world where we are influenced, our our thinking is influenced by all sorts of other things in this world. And we have to focus and ask God, what do you have to say to me today? My role in this is to be faithful to opening this word to you and not just to tell you stories. Um, Your responsibility when this word is opened is to focus and to listen attentively. And then, then carry that with you home so that you can open up this word daily. I would recommend in the mornings each day. Uh, sometimes it's, it's a rather painful thing to read it because when you read it, you see the way we're supposed to be. And I hope this morning we've seen it too. I don't yet fully act justly. I don't yet love the way I should uh, to forgive and to show mercy. Oh, I don't always reflect the humility of one to whom mercy has been shown. Do you sense that about yourself? That's what the word of God should do for you. So you can see what needs to be made right. So focus. Number two. Admit. Take time regularly, just in the light of God's word, just to come clean. You know, about the badness that you see inside. Tell God what it is. Turn it back over to him. Again, I think this needs to happen much more often when we gather in church. Uh, This morning, Walter led us in a time of confession. We need that, don't you think? 
Whereas when we come back in, we look back over what's happened this past week and say, Lord, I, I, fell, I fell short again. And we confess it and find out that he's willing to receive us again. In the book that I've recommended to you, uh, Philip Kennison, Life on the Vine, he said this, Confession has been an important practice of the church for centuries, but it is becoming less popular in this age of self-help and feel-good religion. Anybody agree with him? Often we just think we've got to come in just to feel good, but we need to come in to be made good. <laughs> Uh, and, and I'll tell you this when you confess your sin to God I, I just I'm going to promise you he will receive you again and start all over again with you why am I so convinced of that because he loves mercy thank you Lord alright so focus admit third and the, as I was reading through scripture, getting this ready, it caught me a little off guard, but I should have, shouldn't have. Watch. The Bible calls you to observe other believers and be shaped by people in whom you see this goodness of God developing. I, I was struck again and again as I read through the Bible, how many times the Bible talks about things like this. Paul would say, how are you going to know how to live a good life? Do you remember how I lived when I was in front of you? Follow that, imitate that. And the others who were with me, uh, you saw them, you saw what we did, follow that. Or, 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 or another time, uh, those who are younger women, watch the older women who have walked with the Lord for a long time and see how this life is to be lived. They won't live it perfectly, not yet, someday they will, but the way the Bible talks about it, watch those who are making progress in faith and in doctrine and follow them. So as I thought about this, I thought, well, this matter of goodness isn't just something that we read, you know, kind of the fix-it manual, and, and then boom, we do it. It's not like fixing a, 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 a lawnmower or something. What I thought, because, you know, I like to play tennis, it's probably more like learning how to hit a tennis ball or, 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 or a golf club in that you do need to know how to do it. But the best way to learn is to watch somebody who does it right. So I've been watching Roger Federer hit that forehand. I still don't quite have it right. There's really no hope of that. Though there is hope for God's goodness uh, to come. So just one of the verses, just to let you see how clear this is. Hebrews 13:7. So remember, think about, observe your spiritual leaders, especially those who have taught God's word to you. Think about the results of their way of life. Then copy, then copy their walk. Uh, new people to the church. Um, we have many people in this church who have walked with Jesus for years and years and years. Yes, there are people who can go to church for years and years and years and still just play the game. I know that. But not all of us. Uh, so get, get into a small group. Serve alongside of people. Find people in whom you see some of that goodness. And then follow. And then finally, then act. Each morning, I encourage you to start the day with God. Each morning... Pray that God will give you opportunities to further his goodness in the world. And you're going to find that he will. He's going to bring people across your path that maybe before, before you'd prayed, you wouldn't have even seen them. And when you see them, you're going to see some things that just aren't right. And maybe you have some opportunity or resource to bring God's goodness into their lives. I'm going to stop there. Um...
If you remember little else from this sermon, I pray that you'll remember Micah 6 8. What is good? What is good? God has shown you in His Word, and by the way, He's treated you, what is good? What is good? It is always to act justly, it is to love forgiving and reconciling and and sustaining lasting relationships. It's good. It is always good to walk day by day, side by side, moment by moment, humbly with God. That's what's good. And the fruit of God's Spirit in your life is goodness. And it will bring glory to Him. Amen. Let me lead us in prayer. Father, I pray I've been faithful to your word. And in every point that I have, empower that word through your spirit to reshape each one of us. Show show us the areas of our lives that are not what they should be. Father, use your word and then the power of your spirit in our hearts to help us to leave the church today being more of what you would have us to be than when we walked in. Father, for some who may have come and have never known you, may this be the day that they receive Jesus and are filled with your spirit and begin this beautiful adventure of living life with you. Father, do whatever you will in each of our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.